bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchising industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats Podcast. Welcome to the Franchise Canada Chats Podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisors, franchisees, and industry leaders who give on-the-pulse expert advice and insight. I'm your co-host, Kristen. And I'm your co-host, Trisha. And today, we have a special bonus episode with Peter Van Streelen as you prepare for Season 2 of the podcast. Peter created the Culture of Care and was the CFA's 2019 convention closing keynote speaker. His passion for creating remarkable experiences carries over into his personal life, including epic family road trips across the globe. In this episode, we discuss why he chose to franchise with the ground guys, what were some of the challenges he faced early on running a business, and where the idea of of the culture of care came from. So without further ado, here's our episode with Peter Van Streelen. So why don't we just start by having you tell us a little bit about um, yourself. I know that you got into business at a young age with your brothers. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that led to the ground guys? Yeah, so yeah, you're right. I was about 17, my brother was 18, and we got into business. We didn't have any money, so we borrowed a lawnmower off my dad and started mowing lawns in our in our local neighborhood. And uh, from that small beginning, uh, and I guess a lot of kids have that experience. They mow lawns maybe to while they're going to school or you know to to earn a little bit of money on the side. So that's pretty common, but we were able to grow it and keep it going and really turn it into a business. And then um, at one point, you know, we began franchising. And so that's uh, that's our, our story very uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> so we found uh, success in, in having small business, but um, you know, it was a, it was a long journey. It was, we, we I always, uh, describe it as chapters. So I really started with the first chapter of my career, just being a laborer and pushing a lawnmower and then going through the various chapters, learning about business and, and how to, um, you know, franchising came out of all that learning and that franchising was an amazing experience. And we ended up, uh, then selling our business or getting acquired by a, a private equity firm and becoming part of a larger organization. So it's kind of an entrepreneurial dream. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, where did the idea of culture, uh, the idea of care come in to this? Yeah, so fairly early on, you know, we realized that uh, every company has a culture, whether you're intentional about it or not, you know, it's going to be, if you if you see a company and, and people don't get along, well, that's the, their culture. And it's usually driven by the most uh, contentious person or you know, if it's a negative culture and it's driven by the most positive person, if it's a positive culture. So um, we early on figured, you know, we need to really be intentional about our culture and and make sure we're clear. And um, I guess it was when we began to, it became most apparent when we began to expand. So when you have a single location, you can control the culture and really drive it by meeting together every morning and you're meeting face to face with everybody. So the culture is kind of um, caught even more than it's taught. But when you expand and now you're opening in other locations, now you're dealing with different people, different personalities, and they're going to create their own culture at their location. And so 
once we realized we need to have a way of being in control of that situation, no matter where we expand, no matter how far away the next location is, um, that's when we re really began to articulate very, very clearly what our culture was about, who we were as a company. And so out of that, the basis of all that is is your values. What do you value as a company? Because that will form the decision-making process, the way people in your company make decisions. And it's those decisions that affect the customer's experience. And so knowing this, we, we didn't want to leave it up to chance. We didn't want to leave it up to how somebody was feeling one day. If they're having a bad day, then all of a sudden the customer experience is negative. So we wanted to be very intentional about that. So out of that came the culture of care. Now we had used the word care in all of our marketing materials. We were in the lawn, lawn care or landscape uh, property care business. Um, but we knew we were in the customer care business. So we took the word care and began to formulate some values around that. And the first values we came up with were C stood for customers first, A stood for attitude, R stood for respect, and E for enjoy life in the in the process. So, um, and then it and then we started to articulate sub principles. So other principles that were important to us that, that we wanted to be you know the way we do things at our company, the way franchisees would act based on these same values and principles. And and the first one was also an acronym for care, which was create a remarkable experience which really became a mindset amongst our employees. You know, you want cultures as good as, as far as you can get it within your company. The most important people to really buy into your culture are the frontline team members, the people that are servicing and working with the customers on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of companies can really go to work and say, yeah, culture is an important thing and I need to have my values clearly articulated and they, they might hire a consultant or something and get them written down and, and then check that item off a list. But it needs to go much, much deeper than that. Um, for values to have an effect, to be real, to, to result in a great customer, a remarkable customer experience, those values and that culture has to be inculcated across your entire organization, not just the executives in their office, not just the owners of the franchisees, uh, of the franchise units, but every single person that works for that company. So it became uh, uh, something that we focused a lot of attention on. And instilling that culture doesn't just happen overnight. So um, how did you guys go about creating that culture of care throughout the entire company? And what do you tell franchisors or business leaders today and how they can do the same in their own company? Yeah, that's uh, incredibly important. A couple of things. One, you need to make it top of mind. It really has, culture can't be um, an afterthought or something you do, you know, on a once a year on an offsite convention or something. It has to be something that you do every day. It has to be something you talk about every day. So we were in the business of mowing lawns and, and plowing snow and keeping people's properties beautiful. But when people ask us what we did, we talked about we we our job, our mission is to share the culture of care, and, and they say, oh, what's that about? We were all about our culture, all about care. So it was more, and then a byproduct is the service that we do. Um, so yes, we mow lawns, but that's not really who we are and why we do what we do. 
we're about creating a culture of care in our organizations and then it spills out into the communities in which we operate and it all begins with with taking care of our employees our colleagues each other as franchisees um, so we get away from this us versus them mentality it's we're all in this together so um, the culture starts with our colleagues and then it flows into the it results in a great customer experience because if you pick whatever culture you create for your employees they will replicate that in front of the customer if you have a negative culture with your employees that it's going to be a negative customer experience if you um, have a positive and nurturing and very caring culture with your employees they in turn will replicate that with the customer so a couple of ways that we kept this um, top of mind across the organization is by implementing some systems behind it and any franchisor listening you understand that systems are critically important in a franchise system so one system we used is what we we created a, a recruiting tool called the, the culture of care questionnaire so we had our eight principles written out and these are principles and values that are important to us and we knew if if people adhered to these or were predisposed to these principles then they would fit nicely into our company and they would understand the why behind the, the decision making that we do behind the way we do things. So we would use that culture care questionnaire across the board as a, a way to recruit people to our team. So we needed two things. We needed competency, so they, they need to be good at what they do. But that's something we would rather train them. So we would train the competency, but we also needed character. We needed people that were predisposed and understood our values. So that was the most important. We started with character and then we trained for competency. And the same in, fran in choosing a great franchisee to be part of our team. We always wanted to make sure they were a culture fit and they were a person of character first. And then the competency to run one of our businesses, the skills and, and so on, that's what we were in the business of teaching. And it didn't hurt if they came with a certain amount of competency, but um, most important we always said was character first was culture first when hiring or when selecting a franchisee because then the basics of how and why we do things is already in place you know it's much easier to teach someone how to uh, run a business successfully by using the operating system than it is to try and teach somebody to um, be a helpful person or to be a happy person or to be a positive person if they've spent their whole life being otherwise. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we started with uh, one, one tool is create a, a recruitment tool or a questionnaire or a way of interviewing people that brings out, that asks questions that brings out their predisposition to your values. So one of our values was create a remarkable experience. We would ask a question in um, in an interview, you know, in, in a previous job or business or experience, how have you gone above and beyond to create a remarkable experience for a customer? And if they can come up with all kinds of uh, answers to that question, you're pretty sure that they already get what that means. If they're really stumbling with that, you know, and they're, they're kind of more of a mentality, well, I don't know, I, you know, we just do the, the bare minimum, then you know that person might not be a culture fit. And so we had a two to three questions for each value. And so that's an important tool. And each franchisor could go to work once you have clarified your values, but work creating some questions that will help 
determine a candidate's predisposition to those values. So that's one. Then you're getting culture right immediately when you hire somebody or you invite them into your, your franchise family. Another one is uh, we used a, a system called the huddle. And what this did was allow us to reconnect with our culture, with our values every single morning. And not just at corporate, at uh, the home office, we did that with our corporate team, but each and every franchise does a huddle at their location every single morning. And so huddle's an acronym, H and huddle stands for have someone recite our values. So one team member every single morning at every location is, is reciting our values. And what that does is mentally and emotionally it gets everybody on the team grounded again with who we are as a company and why we do what we do and what's important to us. And then you and huddles um, update the team. So basically uh, in the corporate setting, we do an update of our dashboards. But in the franchise setting, we would do a uniform check because we made a promise that to our customers that we'd show up in uniform. So that was you and Huddle. The first D in Huddle was discuss yesterday. That allowed our team members to have a voice and to be heard. So they're not just going out all day mowing lawns or any service business. You think about it, someone um, making pizzas all day or or cleaning uh, apartment buildings or whatever your, your franchise service or product is, your team members need to be heard and they have ideas and when they feel like you know, they're part of the team, they really feel like a human being rather than just a, a, a robot out there working every day. So that's the first D in huddle was just a quick glance around the room and ask anybody if they had anything to share with the team or they learned something new. Then the second D in huddle was discussed today and that's just a quick opportunity to let it make sure everybody's crystal clear on what they need to do and if they have any questions they can ask them and we they they will now leave the huddle with clarity on what needs to be done today and what the objectives are and then Ellen huddle was listen and share good news so we would use that opportunity to really get people in the right mindset you know they might come into work with a frown on their face um, because who knows what was going on at home, or maybe they listened to the news on the way in and they got all depressed. But uh, we don't want them to leave to service our customers and represent the brand with a frown on their face. So we wanted to turn that frown upside down, and this was our opportunity to really set the culture for the day. So sharing good news was a great opportunity to get everyone thinking in a positive manner. And then Ian Huddle stood for Energize. We'd all put our hands together and cheer we cheer one of our values or we cheer our brand we go three one two three grounds guys on three and then everybody uh, cheers grounds guys and uh, you you when you do that it brings energy to the team uh, they forget everything else other than what the core objective is for the day going out and creating a remarkable experience for our customers and so that was uh, one of the most powerful tools we implemented the huddle every single day it's it's a stand-up meeting. It's not a sit-down staff meeting, which, you know, people are yawning through. <laughs> this is a high-energy stand-up, seven to ten minutes max meeting every single morning. And I think if uh, companies are able to implement that into their culture, it, it becomes one of the number one culture drivers across the board. I remember during your... Uh, speech at the CFA National Convention, you mentioned uh, one of your employee, when, like there was an employee that would come into this kind of huddle and, and he wasn't participating and then finally it turned around. It's um, He had like this new big news to share or something like that. 
Um, can you can yeah. you share that story with us? I thought it was really inspiring. Absolutely, um, and that's a, a struggle. Many companies when they hear this and they they say, "Wow, that's a great system, the huddle," and I'd love to implement it in my company, but I don't. I just don't see how my people would accept it. And that's a struggle for everybody. It's 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 something different and unique, and it's not going to make sense to everybody initially. But well, I always encourage people to stick to it. And I tell the story of Dave. Dave worked for us, and he was a tough character. You know, one of those just tough dude. And um, when he saw the huddle, he was uh, he just wasn't having any. He was he was way too cool to participate in the huddle, and he would stand out kind of in the in the background and you you kind of yell hey guys come on quit hugging we got things to do we got places to go let's go and uh you know no one ever had hugged in the huddle but that's just how he kind of expressed himself and he he just didn't like the idea but over time he he kind of watched what we were doing and he saw us meeting he saw us communicating he saw us camaraderie being built and friendship and team and that feeling of team see we didn't know at the time that Dave didn't really have a family, and this kind of a family atmosphere kind of made him uncomfortable. So we gave him we gave him time, and we let him kind of observe. But over time, he started to work his way closer to the huddle in the morning. And then one day, he was standing in the huddle, and he began to participate. It got to the point where he even led the huddle. It became his favorite part of the the entire day. He, he built uh, a sense of camaraderie and family and teamwork like like he had never experienced before. And um, and then, what, yeah, I tell, I tell the story. One weekend he, he went home and he mustered up all the courage he had and he proposed to his girlfriend. And she said yes. And just a, an incredibly happy moment. He wanted to share it with the whole world and shout it from the rooftops. But he, hang on, he hung on to that secret, that, that happy, happy news. All day Saturday, all day Sunday, he waited till Monday morning, he came into the huddle, we went through H-U-D-D, we got to L, which is listen and share good news, and no sooner we said, you know, has anyone got any good news to share, Dave just exploded with the news, I, I got engaged this weekend, and it was just such an, a powerful moment, he had, it, you know, there was high fives, there was hugs for the first time there actually was a hug and huddle and it was Dave <laughs> and his team members and it was just one of those moments you know Dave had saved his most precious news and waited to share it with his people his team his tribe that he had developed that work and so it's it's very unusual unless you really are intentional about culture that you build that kind of bond and it, it sets such a powerful uh, team atmosphere and that they're looking out for each other and they've got each other's backs and they're willing to save and their their most precious news to share it with, with each other in the huddle and so it kind of becomes the foundation for the culture at your at your place of work and uh right now so you're no longer with the ground guys but you are an author you are a speaker you're an executive coach um you spoke at the CFA National Convention in April. Um, what are you seeing or what kind of feedback do you get from franchisors um, about care? And have you heard any stories um, from business leaders about how they, how they have implemented it in their work culture at all? 
And and so yeah, when other franchisors uh, take some of these ideas through, you know, if they've worked with me uh, through coaching or or they've read my book or, or heard heard my keynote talk, um, and it inspires them or most importantly their frontline team members to go out and do something remarkable above and beyond, it's it's very very rewarding. Cool. And who has mentored you or has helped you get to the place um, where you are right now? Oh, I've had so many, uh, so many great people that, you know, inspire um, new ideas and, and inspire me to go to the next level. So really, along the journey, you know, I when I was just a laborer, I, I went back to school so that I could opened the second chapter of my career as a skilled laborer. That's, uh, I, I became an arborist so I could contribute more back. And I, you know, I learned so much going to school. So there's that whole college uh, side of things where I was learning and learning and growing. But then later, you know, I, I went back to school and, and became a certified franchise executive. And all the people I met through that uh, became mentors and I, I learned from them. Um, one of the biggest uh, inspirations, we, we were acquired by the Dwyer Group, which is a, a huge company, uh, one of the world's largest franchise-based companies. A lot of their brands are in Canada, and um, like Mr. Reuter and Mr. Electric, and, and so that working with with a company that's more advanced than us, I ended up learning so many great things. So I always uh, went about business with the attitude that I can learn something from everyone, and and everything. So if you go into it with a with a learning attitude, you know every person you meet and every situation you find yourself in becomes a learning opportunity. And um, so yeah, I've gained inspiration from from all the wonderful people that I've been able to work with over the years. But also did a lot of reading. I think um, as business owners, we need to uh, take the time and find the time, or get up early if you have to 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 read and. Um, there's a lot to be learned. You know, all the wisdom of the world has been written down in books, and so that's just uh, a matter of absorbing that information. One thing I did a lot of was uh, I would ride my bike to work. I uh, lived, what well, was about 20 kilometers from my office, and I was able to ride my bike in. And during that hour-long ride or hour-long take, I, I would listen to a podcast or an audio book, and so it just really became a, a source of inspiration and learning. And you've talked before about um, not just running a family business uh, because you did uh, start this business with your family, but having a business family. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. a, a little bit about that distinction? Yeah, for sure. It. Um, I don't know if I coined that phrase or not, but it just came clear to me one day. You know, because people were asking me. I grew up in a in a family business. Uh, me and my brother started it, but but. Over the years, everybody became involved, um, and my dad kind of ran the office for many years. And uh, way back when we were tiny, my mom answered the phone, <laughs> and uh, I have nine brothers, and one by one, each of my brothers came on board, and um, and so I grew up in a family business. But and and now today, as a speaker and coach, my children are involved, and they run social media and, and do other uh, important skills. Uh, and contribute to important their important skills to the business, and so somewhere along the line, I, I learned the distinction between um, just being a family business 
and being a business family. And the difference is when you're a, a business family, then everybody's on board and that's what you do. That's a phase or a chapter in your life where that's really what you do. You know, you might talk about, a, oh, they're a, a golfing family or a, a hockey family. Well, when I hear that, they're a hockey family, and I've met families like that over the years, that they're all really into hockey and they get up in the, early in the morning and they go to practice and they're into hockey. Well, we were a business family, meaning we get up early in the morning and, and we focus on business. And, you know, every business, is a family business no matter whether it's structured that way legally or not and the reason is because business takes so much time so much effort and it's so all-consuming that it affects the rest of the family in one way or another no matter what your family structure is and it either affects them negatively or positively so we go about it with the mindset that we're a business family and and what that does is it everybody is of the understanding that we're all contributing in some way. So, um, you know, what can I learn that will help the business go forward? And, and then you're not surprised or upset when you're working long hours. It's just, that's what you do. And, and again, it's a chapter in your life right now, you know, after being acquired, I, I have a lot more time. Now we're opening, we're ramping up a new business, which is public speaking. Um, and it's incredibly fun and challenging and takes a lot of time. An effort but it's also very very rewarding so um yeah that's really the difference if it's just a family business you may or may not be involved or you may or may not like it or you may or may not uh have anything to do with it but when you're a family business it, it signifies that everybody's involved even young kids you know my kids uh when we were smaller uh a company we would i would be i would take home jobs like sending out um, newsletters back before e-newsletters um, and we'd actually lick envelopes and, and put the newsletters in and fold them and all that stuff and I'd bring that home and in the living room and the kids just had a ball helping out they thought they were so important they're just little little guys you know um, and they just man they they wanted a business card <laughs> envelope stuffer <laughs> but what it does is it makes them feel like they're part of the team you know so that's kind of the theory behind that um, have you faced any challenges of running a business with your family? Or are there any, any challenges? Are there any challenges to running a business with your family? Especially because you're traveling as well. Yeah, you mean my current business? Sorry? Or just in gen you mean my current business or just in general? Uh, in general, have you come across any challenges just, you know, with your brothers, just because you're brothers type of thing? Or has it been smooth sailing? Oh no, we're uh, yeah. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, it, being in a family business is often more challenge challenging than having all hired people. You know, um, you're almost forced to get along, and I think that's what um, made us focus on culture so early on. It, it's um, you know, we have ten brothers. I have nine brothers. There's ten of us. And each one is an individual. Each one has their own ideas. And people can often get the impression, you know, if you sit around a boardroom and someone comes up with an initiative, everybody just nods their heads and, and agrees, and we sign off and off we go. And it's just, it's just not like that. Um, it, it's like any other group of 10 people. You're going to have 10 different ideas, and you have to learn how to sort through them. You have to learn how to uh, get along and make, and make progress. And so we learned early on 
that are differences which initially can be a source of contention we learned that our differences amongst each other were actually one of our greatest assets we just had to learn how to leverage those so some someone in the, on the in the family is good at this and someone is good at that and someone else is better at sales and someone's better at working in the office someone's better out in the field another person you know for instance i'm the only one that would ever get on a stage <laughs> of my nine brothers and talk um most of them given the opportunity would definitely uh, pass it up whereas i i do that now for for a living so um we learn to leverage our differences and, and for the good of the company also when it comes to having different ideas if everybody's agreeing all the time and you surround yourself with people that are what you might call a yes person um then you could easily go off track and go down the wrong path and so we always encourage uh people that our brothers to challenge our ideas and and share your own idea and, and out of that uh conversation will come the right idea you know um Stephen Covey is an author that uh, he's, he's uh, passed on now, but he, he wrote books uh, back in the day, very, very good books. If you ever read uh, Stephen Covey, he talked about a third alternative. So you, he would say, you've got your idea and you've got my idea, and now let's get together and look for a third alternative, meaning not a compromise in the middle, but when we put our heads together, we'll come up with a, a better idea than yours and a better idea than mine. And that's how we kind of approached it, and uh, and it really works. Um, just switching gears here a bit, when you spoke at our convention, um, you talked a lot about the travels you've been on with your family, and I think mm -hmm. you inspired a lot of people with your with your stories. Can you just talk a little bit about um, why why the importance of traveling so much, especially with your kids and having them see the world? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we, I talk about, um, dreaming dreams for yourself. Uh, you know, we often as business owners, as executives can be so focused on our corporate dreams and goals and, and that's very, very important, but often we don't give ourselves the privilege or the permission to dream our own personal dreams. And really that's a mistake. And that's a mistake I made for many years. And, um, I was encouraged once in the training program to just write down, put your business goals aside for a minute and write down your personal dreams. And so I wrote down a dream to go on a road trip. You know, I had, um, had the opportunity to do a road trip uh, before I, I was married and with some of my brothers and we went and saw the great parks, the national parks in Canada and in the U S and I wanted to give that to our children. But at the time I was so busy, I, I you know, I couldn't take three days off in a row let alone take you know a long time off but i wrote it down anyway i wrote down the dream to take three months and go on a road trip and even though it was impossible i kept that dream in front of me and my family so we would share as often as we shared our corporate goals together at work with the executive team and so on i would take home that same idea and share our personal goals and dreams as a family and so when the opportunity came uh, after the acquisition of our business I had more time than I had ever had in my career. And so my wife and I got together and said, hey, it's now or never, Let's, uh, are we gonna do that dream? And we, we took that sticky note off the mirror that had the dream written on it and we, we embarked on this journey and we just went. 
and we thought it would be a three-month uh, road trip. That's what our dream was. And at the end of three years, three months, sorry, um, we asked the kids if they're still having fun, that they still want to keep exploring, that they want to get back to normal life. What you know, and they they just really wanted to keep going. They loved what we we're doing. They had so many more places they wanted to see and things they wanted to experience. And so we carried on, and and uh, we're now in our fourth year, believe it or not, and still enjoying ourselves and living kind of an alternative lifestyle. But the nice thing is my speaking and coaching allows me the freedom of being non-location specific. I don't have to be in one place and I can do it from wherever we are. And um, I, I, If we're traveling and we're in a city, I, I fly out from that city and do my talk. And then when I return, we carry on our journey. Mm-hmm. And so we've had all kinds of experiences around the world and uh, been able to experience new cultures and and learn about other religions and the way people live in other parts of the globe and it's just been such a great education for the children they they're getting educated on the road through online school um, and getting their following the curriculum that way so they do that online but um, the real education has been what we've learned on the road and out in other countries and from other peoples and yeah it's just been an incredible journey so far and are you actually speaking all over the world, or is it mostly Canada and the U.S.? Um, mostly Canada and the U.S. right now, but um, we're, we're starting to get interest from other countries, so um, just trying to figure out the logistics of uh, making that happen while, we, uh, while we're there. If you met yourself again, uh, when you first started the business, what advice would you, would you give yourself any sort of advice or do anything over again? Um, I think, I think so. I, you know, had earlier on, had I started doing more reading and, um, you know, being more involved in associations like the CFA, or we had our own trade association, Landscape Ontario, I probably would have shortened my learning curve or I would have found the inspiration earlier, um, that I eventually found over time. So you can, you can tighten up. The, the whole process, I guess, by being more hungry to learn in the, I could have anyway, in the early stages. So my, my, one of the things I would tell my early self is, hey, um, every opportunity you have to start reading and studying what other successful people have done. And, and I think that would have shortened the learning curve. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy the way things turned out, but it, you know, you can always, uh, improve and grow so mm-hmm. I would, that would definitely be one of the things I would tell my, my early younger self. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for a franchisor who's just starting out on how they can go about running their business efficiently? Um, I, yeah I mean there's a lot I, de- I developed a program there's a, a lot of people ask me you know how did you take a single location company and turn it into a multi location franchise system and and so I got asked that question so many times I really began to study what some of the key things were that we did over time and I came up with what I call the C6 program so it's uh, the first C in C6 is culture which we've already talked about that's that's critical that's one of the first things you need to have a good grasp on before you or when you're a young franchisor or, or an emerging franchisor 
um, just getting started, before you get too big, make sure you have a good grasp on your culture and that you Im, Im, um, get some of the programs going that I talked about where, you know, it's, it, it'll allow you to expand without losing your core, your kind of DNA. Um, that's what co- getting a good grasp on culture is going to allow you to do. Otherwise, you can expand rapidly, probably, like many companies find themselves in, and that's a good thing. But, but it's not a good thing if you if your culture is getting uh, worn down and watered down and, and your customers aren't happy and your your customer experience scores are getting lower and lower then then you probably best put your foot on the brakes and stop expanding until you get culture under control the second C is controls um, you know I meet so many people entrepreneurs and their business feels like it it feels like their business controls them rather than them controlling their business. And the same is for franchisees often. So I, the second C is controls, which really is systems. You need to have a system for everything. And that kind of brings uh, some kind of uh, sense of security and it brings um, clarity on what to do in certain situations. So get your controls in place, your systems, and then document them well in a manual um, online and, and paper manual and make sure that those that your training program is based on those controls and systems. So that's the second one. The third one is uh, compliance. Um, you know, I developed a franchise manual with um, a consultant, a, part of, a CFA member consultant, uh, Perry Mason. He helped me put together a 473-page manual and I thought, man, this is going to be a game changer. Everything's going to be amazing once I release this at our next convention. And then I started traveling around to franchise locations and the manuals, you know, collecting dust on the shelf or, or being used as a door stopper. And I, I realized without compliance to those systems, they're, they're just words. And so you need to learn as a franchise or how to achieve compliance. But don't make the mistake we did. Initially, the mistake we made was to send out the brand police send people out there with a checklist saying, here's where you're going wrong, here's where you're going wrong, you're not doing this right. We made that mistake at first, thinking that was the right way to do it, but we learned over time that it's better to get a compliance through what we call alignment or buy-in. When people buy in, they understand the why behind the system, you won't need to police them or referee them to use the system. Uniforms was the biggest one in our industry you know, it's known for just people dressed in whatever ripped, ripped, they ripped the sleeves off their t-shirt and they're, you know, just wearing whatever. But we wanted to elevate ourselves from the industry and be extremely professional. So uniforms is one of those systems. But once people understood that it was more than just the system, it was a promise, and they recruited people who understood that, then it became something we didn't have to police anymore. It was just a natural grassroots thing. And so getting compliance through buy-in or alignment takes longer, but it also lasts much, much longer. So that's the third C. So then the fourth one is contrast. You need to be crystal clear across your entire franchise network and before you start franchising on what gives you contrast in the marketplace. See, from the consumer's point of view, we're all the same. Everybody mowing lawns or everybody providing pizza or, or cleaning houses or, or whatever the service or, or job is or doing plumbing or electrical, in this consumer's mind, they're pretty much all the same unless you can create a very distinct contrast. 
And so I used to get asked that question all the time, what makes you different than all the other quotes I have here? And we developed a, a clear five differences, we called it. And so the next time, you know, someone asked what makes you different, I could say those five things, rattle them off. So they need to be memorized, and then there needs to be a system behind them to make sure that they are done consistently so that they, they're not just words, but they become real. So we said clean, shiny trucks, friendly uniform personnel, three-hour callback guarantee, state-of-the-art equipment sharpened daily, and quality control reports delivered monthly. And I remember the first time someone asked me that question that I used to get all the time, what makes you different? And I just said those five things, they just about <laughs> fell off their chair, and they're like, wow. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I get it. And so we would teach that across our entire franchise network and it makes sense to the consumer and so now you're not competing on price anymore there's real value there and then we made sure there's a system behind each one if we said as a promise we have clean shiny trucks then we better show up with clean shiny trucks and so every uh every franchise unit the first in their shops the first thing they have is a power washer and and we had a system for shutdown at night where the first thing you did was spray and shine your vehicle. And so in the morning it was clean and shiny and off we went. So make sure there's a system behind it. So that, those four S's or four seats so far, culture, controls, compliance, contrast. And the last two, the, sec, the, the fifth one is um, community. I teach franchisors to get involved in the community, understand what your community is. It's not just customers and employees. Those are the natural ones that you understand. But it's also the vendors, suppliers that you deal with. Do they feel like outsiders or do they feel like part of the family? It's also your family, your actual immediate family. It's also your employees' families. Their kids or children or spouses or partners at home want you to send their loved ones back home safely. So they're part of the community. Um, think of the the trade associations you belong to, like the CFA or like in our industry, Landscape Ontario or whatever association that is, Landscape Florida. Um, those associations, you need to get involved in them. And the more you get involved in them, the more you get out of them. And then that becomes the, this community. Also the communities or the villages or the town in which you operate, your franchise locations are in a, a town or a community. If you get involved in that community, it pays back huge dividends. So we try to plant a tree out of school and then educate the kids for free, you know, and give them some education on the benefits of trees in, in the environment or whatever. We do whatever we can to get involved in our communities. And, and it just started to make a huge, huge difference. So. The final C, the last one, is clout. And clout is seen as respect or influence. And so if you're doing all these other things right, over time you begin to build clout in the marketplace, which is influence, and then you gotta learn how to leverage it by telling your story. And you know, I learned how to do that. Uh, one of the most powerful examples was when the CFA uh, Franchise Canada magazine reached out to me um, they wanted to do an article, and so I told our story, not just what we did, but who we are, what our values are, um, and that story went on to do all kinds of great things for us and get us all kinds of great exposure, including it was the story that got us in touch with the Dwyer Group, which became a big part of our history and ended up in an acquisition, so a very beneficial acquisition. So learning how to tell your story is important. We, we ended up doing some TV shows that got us national coverage, including in the States, which uh, 
we were on Undercover Bots. Our brand, our, our lawnmowers, our, our, our brand was on Undercover Bots and got over 30 million viewers. So <clears throat> cloud is a very powerful thing. Awesome. Learn how to tell your story. And so that's a, kind of the C6 formula. And I followed each of those. We all did uh, over the years that that's what helped us grow from a single location to a large franchise system. Awesome. Um, so what's next for you and your business, I guess? Um, so I'm doing a combination of continuing to travel with my family and the kids are actually building a YouTube business, which when I was growing up, there was no such thing. <laughs> it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around that whole, that whole concept, but they developed a YouTube channel called Epic Family Road Trip oh, and awesome. they're starting, yeah, and they, they, so they, they've taught themselves skills like, uh, editing and videography and um, how to you know work social media and build a channel and, and be an influencer I guess in that market and so they're they're also have, finding opportunities now to work with brands and rep their products and doing all kinds of stuff so that who knew there's a whole business life around YouTube <laughs> and so that's keeping me that's keeping the kids busy and uh, they're having a lot of fun with that so that's epic family road trip and so as we continue to do adventures together I'm also doing my my number one passion it's always been to share the culture of care and i first did that within our own business um that helped us grow a franchise system and now i get to do it with many many businesses franchise businesses and otherwise and just inspire people and um, help them develop a great culture within their franchise system and that for me is very rewarding and I just, I absolutely love doing it. I would do it for nothing. I probably shouldn't say that on here because <laughs> franchisors say, hey, why don't you come do it for nothing? <laughs> I would do it for nothing, but, but I can't do it for nothing because it takes um, money to build a, a movement. And for me, it's more of a movement than a business. The world needs more care. The world needs more love, more uh, environments at work, especially that are more nurturing rather than you know, so many people go to work and we, all day and we all work so hard and we're involved in work so much in our lives and then they come home at night just drained and exhausted and they feel like the life was sucked out of them. And I'm really on a mission to change that. I, I, I want people to go to work and, and come home feeling energized because of the environment they work in, to come home feeling like life has been put into them because of the what the company they work for stands for and they the significance they feel at work because they've been able to be part of a company that doesn't just mow lawns or doesn't just do electrical work. We're much, much more than that. We we care. We care for the communities in which we operate. We care for our fellow fellow people at work and at home. And it spills out much. It's, it starts with treating each other right as, as uh, the employee and employer relationship. But it goes far beyond that. It, it, it goes to the customers, and then you put a smile on their face. It goes to the community in which you operate, and you're putting a smile on more people than you, you even know that you're impacting. So that, that's where it, that's the next thing for me, is to continue on sharing the culture of care to as wide an audience as I possibly can. Well, I think that was the perfect way to end the interview, Peter. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, visit FranchiseCanada.online. And if you're interested in the franchise opportunity, go to lookforfranchise.ca.